Good evening, everyone. And we had a week off last week. I needed to take a break. I was a little bit busy last week, but I'm back. And I've got some a great guest tonight. Really excited to have him. And we're continuing to talk about masonry in our little mini seminars. And uh, hopefully you've been enjoying them. We've gotten some great feedback and we've gotten some huge view numbers, which I couldn't be happier about. So I thank all of you for joining us live. And I do hope that you'll consider putting a comment in and or maybe a question for myself or our guests. And even if we get a little off topic, that's all right. But tonight I'm talking with Right Worshipful Brother Tom Gondek, and we are going to be talking about the Marshall's Chair. So this is going to be something that we've, in the past, we've done what we've called chat seminars, where we try and chaplain, historian, organist, and tiler, and we throw the marshal in there, and, and any officer that doesn't feel like they're getting the love or the attention that they might deserve. Tonight, we're focusing on just the Marshall's Chair, which in so many lodges uh, has some definition, but use a little bit more. So I would like to uh, welcome my guest, Right Worshipful Brother Tom. How are you? Good. How about yourself? I'm very good. It's nice to have you here. Uh, Tom is a past master and and a past district deputy, but a past master of Center Lodge 2014 and and 2020. It's not easy to break them up, is it? No. (laughs) It's like like an energy (laughs) stall. Like you're there, then you're not there. That's not easy. And good evening, uh, Brother Tom. Nice to have you here. Tom Millett's back. Um, You're also a past district deputy for District 4C from 2017 to 2018. He is a member of the legal matters committee that can't be an easy job um during covid it has been because it's all been <laughs> via email yeah that's a little but, different uh, yeah that's a lot of the back and forth at the at the legal matters when you're actually sitting in front of anybody just like anywhere else is is so far easier uh, well and finally i i want to point out that if you're looking for tom's car and good evening, uh, brother Carl Hiram eighteen, and he is the marshal Carl Sealing from nice. Hiram number good. eighteen. Good for you. Glad you're here. Um, Tom has a Templar license plate and a massive Templar tattoo right here. So uh, if you're if you bump into Tom in his car, you, you know that you got the right guy. So uh, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Um, so I, I think that the the, mar- the reason why I had you on tonight, you are the marshal at uh, Ouroboros Lodge, which, as you know, uh, you're a member of, and I am the worst master of. So we have had long conversations about marshal's chair, not just you and I, but the whole lodge. Right. What is going on with the marshal's chair where sometimes the marshal's chair doesn't have a lot of definition? It's kind of like an honorary position. They have some roles. There's a little bit of a role in the ritual and the installation, but not a whole lot. So what have you seen the role of the marshals been in lodges that you've been to and you've traveled widely? Uh, what do a lot of marshals do right now? Well, uh, first I want to say that, um, unfortunately, um, a lot of lodges in uh, Connecticut, um, tend to not place a marshal, um, either their officer line is too too small or the can uh, the cannons for the officer's line is too small or um they just don't feel the need for it and that that's really a sad thing because um the marshal is a very integral part of um of, of the lodge for different reasons um the officer's manual states that you know they're in charge of uh, uh processions uh in and out of the lodge um when there's an emergent communication which we can talk about a little bit later, 
Um, but the role itself as defined by the Grand Lodge for uh, the officer manual is very small. And I think part of the reason why they, they feel it's a, 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 a position that doesn't need to be filled is because of that small role. They feel that, you know, whoever we put there is just going to sit there like a lot, you know, lump on a, on a log, um, which is one of the reasons why it's good that we're having this conversation because it's um, the marshal can be, like I said, a, a very integral part of uh, the lodge. Um, so a, a few of the, the, the things that you can do if, if you uh, have a, a younger officer coming in and you want to put them in, in um, into that position um, is have them, you know, be part of uh, the, the ritual work, maybe doing the working tools, um, which I've, which is probably the most common thing I've seen in lodges that uh, carry a marshal. Um, but it's, it's usually uh, a master mason who's just been raised for a couple of maybe not even a year. Um, as a matter of fact, um, right after I was raised, um, I was Marshal Pro Tem for a um, and was my first uh, introduction to uh, ritual work and, and uh, doing the uh, working tools. Um, but if you don't have a um, candidate, the marshal's chair is really built for a um, uh, maybe a past master that wants to still be involved in the lodge, um, and it is not necessarily um, the marshal chair doesn't necessarily have to be part of the um, the line of officers as you move up. Um, I've read um, uh, a lot of stuff about the marshal, and um, that position was almost like the Tyler and the, the secretary and the treasurer um, where they're not part of that moving line. So um, the, the line would actually start with the, the, the uh, junior steward and go up from there. And believe it or not, if you count um, in most lodges, that's seven steps to um, the, to the, uh, uh, to the East. So talk, maybe talk to uh, uh, if you want to, uh, put a marshal in, um, talk to a past master, um, which leads to another point uh, where that past master can almost be um, your uh, uh, director of ceremonies or um, ritual captain, um, something like that, where um, he is at the at the ritual he is noticing what's going on in lodge he is comfortable and knowledgeable of the lodge traditions that he can note and then later on go into uh uh maybe uh uh doing uh uh officer's practice or ritual and he can say this is what i've noticed go ahead oh yeah so i just wanted to bring up we have a, a comment from uh uh, brother jordan in texas he's in texas but back home he uh, tried to get into the lodges to get involved but covid made it hard and he didn't get pushed forward um and he's some he's in texas that's something we'll uh we'll follow up with you uh brother jordan on that um you mentioned talking about the line i think that's an interesting point is that the marshal can or may not be a part of the line and you brought up a a, a couple um 
different items here. You brought up the idea of a master of ceremonies and a few other things. So I just want to kind of compartmentalize them. In the Grand Line of Connecticut, the Grand Marshal is kind of like in the middle a little bit, right? Right. So that's one model, obviously, that the Marshal is in the middle. Now, it's the pointed position, so it's almost at the whim of the Worshipful Master. But I know in a lot of lodges, it's kind of like, a starting place like you mentioned uh so it was kind of like so you've got the two models there you've got maybe it's a place for someone who's just getting started who just does the working tools or maybe it's a place to honor a past master but now you're talking about this third way this master of ceremonies now in british lodges it's very regular to have someone who likes the ceremony and the pomp who is consistent in that role now the worshipful master is ultimately responsible but what are some of the advantages that you see of having the marshal work in a ritual type perspective? Well, um, the advantage is uh, kind of twofold. First, um, you have somebody that is concentrated on doing the ritual. And, and um, of course, you know, the, the ritual in masonry and Freemasonry is, is very important because it's giving a uh, message to um, the candidate. And it's very important that you don't have to be letter perfect, but it's very important that the message is getting through. Um, and that means um, you get the parts right. And where a, uh, a master of ceremonies or a ritual captain would come in, in play is um, first working with the officers to put on the ritual. And like I was saying before, a past master is great because he understands what the uh, the individual lodge's ritual nuances are, um, where what to expect in the floor work for the senior deacon um, to assist the worship master in um, his part of the ritual, um, which can be very difficult. And the past master has already gone through it, um, so he can help the, the worship master say. Well, I, I'll give you a good example uh, uh, at Center Lodge. Um, uh, we don't do a closing prayer. We go right to um, the senior warden, junior warden with the, the, the jewel. Um, that has been a lodge tradition as long as I've been there. Um, a new master um, may not be aware of that or somebody who's used to um, uh, ritual in another lodge may not be aware of that. And that's one of the things that can be brought up say, listen, we don't do that part. We still close in due form because the prayer at the end um, as we're closing is due form. But that's where you, where uh, a past master in the marshal's chair can really help because he'll be familiar with that stuff. Um, he can help the senior deacon um, uh in uh, uh, let's say the middle chamber, say, you know, if you do it this way and you um, put your landmarks in, it'll be easier to do that middle chamber because you'll be associated um, that landmark. I, I think we talked about uh, the memorization uh, uh, show that you did um, kind of emphasize this is the landmarks and it helps you understand that. Again, somebody familiar with uh, ceremony and ritual um, can can really help um, uh, get that all going. And when you're doing it live uh, for a candidate, um, it's almost seamless. And 
the thing about about the the ritual captain or the uh, master i kind of view those as two diff different things that's what i was saying but um the uh performing the ritual um can be a very stressful time and if you can get somebody that is comfortable with how it's all done you get comfortable yourself um the other thing too about having a, a uh, ritual captain is um, as you are uh, initiating uh, candidates, um, you should be working with um, the uh, uh, whoever's doing the uh, mentoring um, at the time, because they're going to notice uh, brothers that seem to be a natural fit for ritual, and that can help on the back end and say, okay. You don't necessarily have to have an officer doing it. You can have a um, a person from the sidelines come in um, and do it. It's uh, uh, maybe one of those things where you have somebody that isn't comfortable with managing uh, the, the management part of the lodge, but wants to do ritual. So you can have them fill in, in into parts that somebody else may not be really great at ritual and they're with have done it once uh, to prove their proficiency to move on through the line, but you can have those kind of people in the background. So we we, we actually have a shout out of uh, uh, he, you're getting a good comment. I want to pop in here for a second. Uh, Jamie Pearson from Oxoboxo one one six in Montville, the senior deacon. Uh, his marshal escorts the chapel to the altar and visiting brothers that are brought to the east. And he thinks that he agrees with you that having a past master providing guidance on the floor is really, really helpful. And so because of what uh, Brother Jamie brought up, I want to ask this question about the relationship of the marshal to the senior deacon versus all sorts of other parts. You know, there's a lot of conducting that goes on. And, you know, you want right. to, you know, welcome and accommodate visiting brethren, but there's also the marshal's kind of in charge of some of those introductions. And then you have your visiting associate grand marshal. And boy, you could even have the the grand marshal come as well. Right. What's the relationship of the marshal to the senior deacon and to uh, maybe some of the other officers in the lodge and when the associate grand marshal comes to visit? So um, that is a good uh, a good observation, a good question. Um, a lot of times because the marshal's chair is empty, um, the senior deacon uh, assumes some of the marshal's role. Um, when in lodge, uh, based on uh, everything that is going on, the marshal acts more like a sergeant at arms. He's not really marshalling the troops, as it were. Um, and what the, the sergeant at arms in a lot of, like, uh, the U.S. Senate, uh, Congress, um, in the royal court in England, uh, what their job is is to make sure that everybody that is called to the east or is going to be introduced um, is escorted. Um, and that is the marshal's job. Um, the senior deacon ends up doing it a lot because either the marshal or the worship master has never seen it done with a marshal. So the first reaction is like, oh, senior de uh, brother, senior deacon, go get, you know, brother Smith and bring him up to the east. If you have a marshal, that's his job. It should be brother marshal. You will escort. And um, if it's uh, uh, one of those things where um, a, uh, a, mar uh, a, a master of another lodge is in the lodge um, and 
uh, you're going to recognize them. The proper etiquette is to escort the um, uh, worshipful master to west of the altar and do an introduction. Same kind of thing that the uh, associate grand marshal does. He does the introductions of the district deputies or the, the grand lines officers if he's there. Good, uh, for instance, um, if uh, let's say our grandmaster visits Meridian Lodge, but he comes alone. The senior uh, and and uh, he doesn't want to be introduced formally, which would be the the whole you know retire to the uh, ante room so you can be properly introduced. But etiquette still requires him to be um, introduced. Again, since the grand marshal or the associate marshal for that district may not be there, it's you know something that the the uh, grand master has just decided to go visit somebody, which is well within his prerogative it falls on the marshal to do that and if there are any um uh past uh officers of the um uh the grand line or the past district deputies in the room it is the marshal's job to introduce them also same as the associate grand marshal so again it, it's a very important piece of uh of lodge that um, you have a marshal. Now, some of that stuff can be taught to a newer, uh, newer uh, uh, brother, but they are nervous as <laughs> anything as it is. And anytime they see purple, it's like, oh my god, you know, they want to get it perfect. Now, spe yeah. <laughs> speaking of getting it perfect, you you keep using a word that I think is really key that maybe some of our viewers haven't seen the difference before. You mentioned the word escort. Now, there's a lot of conduct in our ritual but escort and conduct are two very different functions and i can remember i was about to conduct a grandmaster in uh i was an associate grand marshal and i remember i grabbed his arm like i would a candidate real <laughs> it was pretty vigorous and he was like you're escorting me right i was like uh yeah and he kind of rearranged it could you just talk about some of the difference between escort and conduct sure. i think that's a big deal if you're a marshal if you start conducting the grandmaster yep so um, conducting, uh, the reason why we conduct in uh, the ritual is um, because the candidate is blindfolded, uh, hoodwinked, um, and he needs that support. He needs to, to understand the trust um, that needs to be given because he has no idea what's going on. And when you grab him, um, you're actually in control of his body. So, you know, you're saying, okay, turn to the right, turn to, you know, uh, do a 180, but you're always moving him. I, I don't know if the, the trans, I talk a lot with my hands, um, but uh, you're actually in control. Escorting is like you're escorting your girlfriend or, or your wife. Um, you put your arm out and they grab hold of you, but it's a, it's a light touch. And it's not meant to control them. It's to be in sync with them. So um, though that is a, the, the two different things. Um, also, um, no matter what um, degree you're on, um, when you have when you're escorting somebody, it's they are always to the inside. So 
you know, uh, you know, you have the left, right, left, and um, some get confused as to when they're introducing because it we're open on the fellow crap, um, and you're introducing um, uh, VIPs in, into the room, into the lodge room. Um, they'll naturally go and try to use their right hand, and now your VIP is on the right. Um, again, etiquette. Um, in all instances, when you're introducing a VIP, they're always to the inside. So they're always your left when you bring them in. So okay. um, that is a, is a basic um, so, difference. So there is a manual on this, I think. And I believe in Grandview, it talks about processions grand large, like how you would run a procession, who's in what order. Uh, um, associate grand marshals get briefed on this, but for marshals and lodges, um, where, you know, how would they download this guide? Where, where do they find that? And, and what would they find within it? So um, the uh, officer's manual has um, the uh, duties of all the officers um, in a lodge. Um, and in the marshal section, um, it is uh, lined out um, when you're doing a procession, um, how the um, uh, officers um, are lined up and if there's uh, uh, non-officers in your procession. So um, like a few or uh, like when we march from our uh, uh, old building to the new building in Meredith, um, it's, it's very specific. Um, and uh, you would go to that. So that that's uh, in Grandview um, and there. Uh, 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 I believe I it's remember. in the resources tab. Yeah, right. Yeah, resources. That's it. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it, it's a very good guide. Uh, when you're dealing, if the grand, uh, grand marshal is there or an associate grand marshal for your district is there, he takes control of that and the, the marshal would, would fall in with the rest of the officers. So if you have like at our March um, from our old building to our new building, we had most of the grand line there. The grand marshal was in charge of making sure that everybody was set correctly. Um, and he would have led. Um, but if the grand marshal or the uh, associate grand marshal for your district that you're in, is it there? It falls to the marshal of the lodge or the marshals of the lodge because it was two lodges in our case. But So, so I want to, you're, you're, you're bringing up a great point. This is a wonderful segue. And by the way, uh, to our viewers, if I put up a little question, I don't know how this actually works on Facebook, but it just asks, what duties does the marshal of your lodge perform? And maybe I'll come back to that after our discussions with Tom, but I put that question up there. So if people want to kind of say, here's some interesting things that are happening in our lodge, people love to share uh, what's going on in their lodge. You mentioned the time that um, Meridian and Center lodges. You and I are both. Oh, you're a member of Center and Meridian, and I'm a member of Meridian. We moved buildings, and so we had what's called an emergent communication, where we actually mm-hmm. came out of the building and we went from the building to a new building. And our building was up the street. And uh, I would say I marched with you. I was actually flying a drone, so I was like <laughs> making sure I didn't clip any power lines. That would have put a damper on the day. Um, so. The the question that uh, I have for you is is how can a mar what is an emergent communication first of all and how can the marshal play a strong role in making these happen and, and why would I as a lodge want to do an emergent communication like it seems like something we don't often think about but it was a an important thing for our fraternity to do years ago. Yep. So um, 
let me first say that um, if the marshal is is also acting as the master of ceremonies, um, he would um, be in charge of getting it all down on paper and making everybody understand how um, it would work. Um, and I, I, I'll kind of segue to an, another point on that uh, just briefly. Um, at Ouroboros, we have a, a, pro, a procession in um, for uh, before we open. Um, and the mall would be in charge of getting everybody in place. Um, and in this, in, in our uh, Ouroboros' case, uh, because you can't go two by two, which is the normal, um, the marshal, the master of ceremonies has to be able to uh, accommodate for those things that happen um, based on uh, site, uh, 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 area. Um, an emergent communication um, is, first of all, you have to get a dispensation from the, the Grand Lodge, Grand Master, uh, to, to perform it. And there is a process um, in the invite, which also would be under the Master of Ceremonies. Um, he would have to be cognizant of what that process is. Um, as uh, since at the time, I don't think Center or um, uh, Meridian had uh, a uh, uh, a marshal, a master of ceremonies, um, as president of the uh, the Temple Foundation. I performed all that that information, uh, all that um, background. Uh, to to get everything done, um, an emergent communication can also be um, for a funeral, um, where uh, you're honoring uh, a, a, a brother who has laid down his tools, and uh, at the at the um, the funeral home or at the gravesite, um, again, the master of ceremonies would say, okay, this is how we're going to be doing it, and a lot of lodges have it all written down. And a, a separate community, uh, a separate pamphlet or, or um, instructions, but it's still the master of ceremonies that would be responsible for that. And if your marshal is uh, is one of his duties is master of ceremonies, he needs to be familiar with all that, so that when uh, the funeral, uh, either at the funeral home or at, at the gravesite or both, um, everything will look smooth. Because one of the things that needs that because uh, this is all public, um, everybody has to understand the uh, uh, importance of what you're doing, and to 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 display um, a good uh, ceremony, um, you ha you have to have somebody that is in front of that at all times. And, and I noticed so, you mentioned funeral. Uh, I think funeral is one of those things that no one's ready for until they get the call, right? And, right. And I can say, I think I had five my year as master of Meridian Lodge. And the, the phone gets, you know, someone calls you and says, hi, I'm from so-and-so funeral home. And, you know, we've got your brother here and, and his family's request is a funeral. It's like a panic. Like all of a sudden it's like, yeah. I have, what? <laughs> You know, I'm, yep. I'm calling everybody, and you only have two days to do it. Um, I could see yep. we're having a marshal to kind of assist. I mean, obviously, yeah. the worshipful master in all of this has the ultimate responsibility, right. but He's, having an assistant who's done it before and, and a marshal 
who knows how to put together the team and organize them and process them. Uh, I think that's really important because you're right. This is a very public thing. Yes. So, yeah, and that, that goes again, like I said, to, uh, you know, having a past master who may have done it. Because I know uh, in 2014, I, I, same thing. It was my, my first year's master. I, I hate to say it, but I've only been a Mason for three, four years. And I had never seen a, uh, a funeral. In the three years I was in the chairs before master, nobody died, which was nice. But it's the uh, within a month of me being master, our, our secretary passed away. I had no idea what to do, and nobody else need, seemed to know what to do. So, you know, it's a scramble to try to learn and understand what that whole process is, where if you have a past master, worship master's on the phone, say, I just got this call. We need to go over this. The worshipful master puts out a call. The marshal comes in or the master of ceremonies comes in. You all get together and say, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we do it. These are the signs. These are the, the, the things that uh, we're going to split up. These are, you know, so there's no fumbling around when it actually comes time. And the most important thing is to put everybody at ease because there's going to be some upset people. <laughs> and if if you're not, centered it's it's just going to make everything look even worse sure and i can so. i can say just being the master and having the having to do some of those speeches <laughs> when you know the brother and you know the words are there like you there you know you have to i i feel like you have to have a script ready because man let me tell you if yeah. you don't have that script out and you lose your place i mean that's the worst thing in the world um but yeah i definitely feel like that is stressful um and i i Actually, here's I have another good comment here. I've got uh, Brother Rob Covey uh, agreeing and uh, Brother Jamie Pearson. He uh, mentioned he visited Mississippi as a crew member of the USS, USS Mississippi. And he had a special disposition at a Masonic meeting on a day that the lodge couldn't didn't normally meet on so he could attend. That's really great. And uh, and it was probably a lot of work for the Grand Marshal. Thank, that's an interesting little comment there. Yeah. But yeah, when you talk about funerals, I mean, all of these things, all of these unique situations that you're bringing up, like uh, being on, uh, being in Mississippi uh, so that they could uh, do, I mean, there's just so much confusion with all that. And having someone who's yep. kind of a steady person, that, that really uh, can help. One yeah. thing that I want to bring up that we haven't talked about yet, which is an emergent style situation, parades. Now, I do like a parade, and it feels like in America we don't have them as much. I'm a little disappointed by that, and I could be old-fashioned, but especially like New Haven does a big St. Patrick's Day parade, which they hadn't done because of COVID, and I understand that for the near future we're not going to have any parades. But when we do come out of this COVID fog and we can be together in person more more readily, how can a marshal help make a parade look professional and awesome uh, following some of the guidelines we talked about? So uh, again, one of, one of the things is uh, as a marshal, um, if you're there uh, with your lodge and let's say there's multiple lodges um, that, that are uh, participating in uh, the new Haven parade, uh, the marshal of each lodge should be leading their lodge first. Um, and making sure um, not only that that they're uh, being uh, they're having fun, obviously, um, but again, uh, 
you know, Masons are, are a fairly serious bunch. Um, and um, a lot of our tradition is rooted kind of in military tradition. So, um, you know, uh, uh, squaring your steps, for instance, um, while it's uh, started, you know, be, uh, started with scaffolding around uh, a building, uh, the building is uh, King Solomon's Temple, where you you have to square your step or you're going to walk off. You can't round it. You don't have the room. Um, but that translates in, into into the military. And also, um, you know, the, the marshal can make sure that um, everybody is um, correctly placed. Um, the public's not going to know the difference. But um, as a matter of pride, uh, you want to look professional. Uh, we're not um, we're not a non-professional group. Um, we're we're just out there for the heck of it. We're out there to make an impression um, on uh, young minds of what's in, uh, uh, the importance of uh, being a mason and, and the lessons that we can teach. And one of the greatest lessons we can teach is being professional, looking professional. Um, you know, be, being ex-military, um, maybe I have a little bit of a, a more uh, a, uh, uh, jaded view of, of uh, being um, uh, the professional type, but um, it's, it's always, it, you can see it in our ritual anyways, and you can see it in the way that we uh, designate our processions, um, that it, it, it is a very important thing, and you should be out there leading them with that, with that Marshall baton. So I have a question here from brother Carl and his question was question. So this position can be fine tuned to the lodges needs. I'm going to, I'll just start by saying, I think that's a really important thing that within the, of course, with whatever the master wants, but still right. it, I think you really can. Right, Tom, is that the message we're getting? Um, you know, the, the, uh, it's, it's entirely up to the master, but it should be something that continues through, um, each uh, 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 master that, that comes up before. You don't want to have the marshal's position um, fine-tuned and then the next master is like, yeah, I don't need one. And that's it. Um, tradition is very important to, to a lodge. And um, the more that you, uh, the more that you fine-tune, the more that becomes tradition that you want to continue that tradition. So it's important that um, that uh, if you're just starting out um, with uh, maybe thinking about putting a past master in there and then doing a uh, 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 master ceremony and ritual captain um, position, that that flows through every succeeding uh, master. And what's nice about not having that uh, the marshal's chair is part of the line is you could appoint it just like a Tyler or uh, the treasurer, or treasurer, secretary elected, but um, they usually stay in chairs for a long time. You can have that one past master there through multiple lines. Or the chaplain is a good example. A lot of uh, a lot of lodges have the chaplain has been chaplain for 10, 15 years. That can be the same for the marshal. You don't necessarily have to have that as a as a line officer if if. Uh, you know, you do uh, find somebody who wants to do ritual, uh, like the the um, uh, working tools, and you have a marshal already set. 
just bring him up from the sidelines. He'll get into the chair, into the junior uh, steward's chair eventually, because the next master is going to go, wow, he was really good. Let's appoint him type of thing. And then you maintain that tradition of the, the marshal um, uh, in, in that one point. I think that's a good point. And you can have a lot of associate stewards. I mean, you can have unlimited associate stewards. And that's a great problem to have. Not a lot of lot just have. We're overflowing with people who want to join the line. That is yeah. – uh, uh, and Carl says thank you, by the way, Brother Tom, for uh, for, for well, talking about that. Um, I will say we had a couple of people hit the card. Uh, Mike Waite from Meridian. Mike, hello. Um, talking about ritual guidance and master of ceremonies. And uh, Brother Andy Work, when we had one, it's been two years, uh, he conducted the chaplain to the altar and helped with degree conducting and learned the working tool. So uh, for their lodge, that's what worked for them. So as we start to um, start to begin to think about wrapping this up, I have two questions for you. One, I know you know the history of the baton a little bit, so I'd love to know what's up with the baton. And, and secondly, um, if you're a marshal, it's just you're sitting there, you're like, I want to do more. I don't want to just sit here. I, I want to have a real role. How would you talk about sharing that with the master? I know those are two very different questions. I'm being yeah. a bad host by asking them both, but I'm really curious about them. So, so um, the, the, the baton is, is interesting because, um, again, I'll, I'll refer back to the sergeant at arms in, in the royal court. Um, the sergeant at arms was responsible for maintaining um, the uh, security and the uh, uh, the general uh, keep donating us out. Um, and the uh, it originally started uh, with a mace. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with a mace, it's it's a it's got a a, a large imposing looking head on it um, attached to a. a, a, a for lack of a better word, a stick. Um, and <laughs> a very menacing stick, though. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's designed it's to open your brains small, up, right? Yeah. yeah, not a small uh, piece of hardware. <laughs> and uh, it's easier to wield. It was easier to wield that than a sword. Um, there was a lot more education that went into learning how to handle a sword. Um, and if the uh, uh, if somebody was being rowdy or out of place or threatening the king or the queen. Um, it was the sergeant at arms' duty to grab them, probably bash them over the head to get them to, to come along and drag them. Out. Um, the baton is a um, relative of that uh, mace, um, and um, it is a uh, uh, the the threat, supposedly the threat of violence that um, keeps the lodge in line. Uh, it's not just the gavel knocking. Um, and um, interestingly, interestingly enough, um, if the mas- if the master wants to remove somebody, it's the marshal's job to remove them. It's not the senior deacon's job. And, and you'll the notice the, the queen of the queen of England actually, when she gets in, th- when she was a throat, she gets an orb representative right. like the world's in her hand, and they and she puts a mace. Uh, yep. in her hand and uh, I noticed that when the colleges have their graduation it's always led by a mace the symbol of the authority to confer the degree yep. which I thought was, yep. is an interesting yep. connection and, and the, the baton um, is held by obviously in uh, uh, Europe uh, where they have field marshals the baton is held by the field marshal as a represent, it represents 
that royalty that he is under direct um uh, he has the direct authority of the king or the queen to do what he does and that's why there's so few field marshals and a field marshal is the top rung of uh the military in england or france um even going so far as to say that um, if something were to happen in naval tradition, the field marshal actually has the authority to correct an admiral. Even though an admiral is, seems to be high, he's not that high, unless he's a lord admiral. But park, park your boat over there, please. And, uh, <laughs> would you move your battleship over? I got to bring my dinghy in. Uh, yeah, that, that wouldn't go well. Uh, and, and my other question, uh, if you wouldn't mind hitting that. Uh, yeah, repeat it. <laughs> oh, sorry. I get to um, Yeah, we were, you know what? This whole baton thing is really good. If a marshal wants to get involved and wants to have a conversation with oh. the master, and what what would you recommend um, to them? How can they get a little bit more involved in lodge life and culture? I I would go directly to the marshal master and and present your case. Um, say you know I'm I'm I, I want to be involved with doing something. Um, I, I want to be, I, I don't just want to sit in the chair and observe what's going on and not be part of the lodge life. Um, give me a job, give me something to do. Um, if, you know, if the, if the master's comfortable, say, okay, when we have visitors or past masters, normally the, the worship master will uh, recognize the past masters, have them get up and escort them to the, to the West and formally introduce them in front of the lodge it's, it's a small thing it may not be a lot but it's, it's getting involved in, in it and it happens every every lodge meeting we, we recognize our, our past masters um or you know visiting masters so uh, just be direct with them and say you know look i don't want to just sit here give me something to do if it's it's a new one say hey look you know i'd like to do the working tools i'd like to be part of the the uh i'd like to learn the second section lecture, you know, if they're, if they're good at, at uh, memorization, which, you know, uh, there's a few officers that I've seen that are really good at it and they never get a chance. And the reason being is because, well, we don't have anybody that really does it. Or the worst thing I've heard is we don't have enough time. It's those things are important. They're, they're out there for a reason, and it's it's really nice to, to if you have somebody that is willing to do it, let them do it. And if it's to Marshall, let them do it. I'm with you 100%, and I, I have to take a pause. I got a couple comments I want to hit. Uh, Doug, uh, Brother Douglas, thank you for uh, giving us a shout-out, and a thank you. Uh, I also, uh, Brother Andy Work has uh, put in a comment as well, again, asking for more duties and roles without stepping on other officers' toes, and that's important. The Worshipful Master will hopefully run interference on that one um, right. and the grandmaster himself is has commented so i want i when the grandmaster speaks you bring it up so yes, it, yes we do yes he mentioned in the grand lodge the marshals between the stewards and the deacons and he said if you look at the cycle of one year to learn the work for the next chair the next to perform the work it makes sense and also in some grand lodges the marshal is a very important position he's the advance guard and planner for the grandmaster when he is traveling and that is yeah. Interesting, and thank you, uh, Brother Henry Peacock, for uh, uh, for thanking us for this as well. And that's an interesting one. Like you know, maybe he could be also in charge of a traveling committee, and yeah. uh, you know, kind of if you ever do like a lodge takeover, the marshal can uh, 
Uh, Actually, so I'm glad you kind of brought that up because in a, it, let's say you do have a lodge takeover. The marshal is very important because he would fulfill the role of the AGM. So um, when the lodge uh, visits, they should not be in the opening of the lodge. They should come in afterwards. Um, and what would happen is the worshipful master would be escorted in by this, the senior deacon, but his officers or whoever is visiting will come in beforehand, which would be led by the marshal. The senior deacon would introduce the worshipful master and then rely on his marshal to introduce everybody else, which would, I've, I've actually seen that done, uh, at Prince Hall does that. Interesting. And uh, just two quick comments. Uh, thank you from uh, Brother Tim. Thank you, Brother, uh, for the mention and the thank you. And Brother Rob Covey, the marshal needs the mace for a good takeover. So if the door doesn't open, <laughs> he's, got, he's got that threat. So as we're wrapping up here, uh, Brother Tom, this is an interesting talk. I, and I know I could get you going all night, but we're just about yeah. wrapping up time. If people are interested in having you come to Talk to Lodge and looking for a program, even if it's a Zoom program, because I know not everyone's back in Lodge, but uh, for those who are and or you know, you'll come in or do a zoom or connect and, and how can they reach out to you? So first off, I would love to do that. Um, you can contact me at, uh, T J G O N D E K zero nine zero seven at gmail.com. Um, that's the fastest way that, that you're, you'll get to me. Um, I'm always in my office. I, I work from home. So I'm, I'm, I'm on my home computer and my work computer virtually at the same time because so I get those messages. Um, and um, I have some uh, uh, interesting documentation, I guess, uh, from different places on like the baton and, and uh, the, the role of the sergeant at arms, uh, the role of the, uh, the master of ceremonies, a ritual captain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like you said, I can talk about this stuff for hours. Um, it, it's, it's a fascinating and, and, and because I love ritual so much, it's just, falls right into my my uh my bucket of of uh things i love to do so well thank you you're a very active uh mason and um and uh, oh yeah and facebook you're on facebook too brother jamie just mentioned that as well so uh you can message him on facebook if you want to continue the conversation um you, you said your email and uh thank you so much for coming on the show tonight and and, and thank you for being on legal matters and and doing all that you do for the fraternity uh that's that that's a challenging one i tell you i some i read some of that stuff and i'm like i i don't really get you know i'm trying really hard to understand it and you always help translate it for me so thank you very much brother tom i appreciate it have a good night thank you brother nick all right so as we start to wrap up our show tonight um i hope you learned something about the marshal's chair and at least gets you thinking about the possibilities of what could be there sometimes we always look at the marshal's chair we say to ourselves, what do we do with this i don't know i mean they have some role but what's the role i don't know well you can you can make that role in concert with your worshipful master uh, to make it a meaningful position so every brother feels like they're doing something useful for the lodge you're wondering what's coming up next. I haven't gotten a confirmation yet. However, uh, I did talk to someone who is a financial investment advisor who works with a number of lodges in the state of Connecticut, and he has helped to upgrade many people's practices, especially on their trustee accounts. Uh, and he's helped myself and a few other brothers. And I can tell you the returns have been great. So <laughs> I can, thank 
you. Uh, and so I'm hoping to hook him up uh, for next week, but I have to get that confirmed. Uh, but I promise we'll have somebody interesting. And thank you so much to everyone who uh, chimed in tonight and uh, took a listen. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is nickives at ctfreemasons.net. If you've got an interesting idea or you want to be on the show and you have something to offer, please reach out to me by email. We'll get back. We'll try and set up a time and we'll talk about it. And hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for all the great comments. We appreciate it. Good night, everybody.